Weirdo Bookworms Unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Hello, genre junkies, and welcome to Fantasy! Yay! A fantasy episode! I love fantasy. We both love fantasy. We sure do. So I'm Sandra, and joining me... As always, is Scott. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing... Well, I've been better. I broke my thumb the other day, but other than that, I'm doing great. You broke it at your haunted workplace, which I need to hear more about, and then come and investigate for ghosts. Yeah, um... Okay, yeah, we're not doing that. Uh, I am. I'm, I regret ever telling you that my workplace was haunted, but it is so very haunted. I am coming, and I, I'm going to do my work. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and share this story here, and this is the first time Sandra's heard it. I suspected is, that my this place- This isn't even horror night. I know, but I, I have to get it off my chest. I suspected that my place of work was haunted for a while. Today, I walked in, and- uh, you know, I walk into this hallway and it's a very dark area. And I literally thought the building was on fire because there was lights <gasps> and smoke. And then the light stopped and the smoke just moved away and disappeared. Okay. And that was when I noped the heck out of there until some other coworkers came in to come in with me because I am not cool with that. Don't worry, everybody. Stay tuned. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Somehow I have to get into Scott's workplace. Without anybody knowing, I will conduct an investigation. I will move spirits on if they need to move on. I will make peace. You know, you know, I'm obsessed with ghosts. And you have to understand, people, that I am a skeptic. I am a huge skeptic when it comes to psychics, when it comes to ghosts, when it comes scared. to that kind of stuff. Well, okay, fair. I, this was so freaky. I have yeah. never experienced anything like that. It sounds amazing. And I'm super jelly. I wish I had something as exciting to say, but um, I don't. I mean, I read. I've been watching Riverdale and I've been running. Oh, while I've been running, I'm training for a half marathon. I've been listening to Sleeping Beauties by Stephen and Owen King, and it's absolutely amazing. And I'm totally loving it so far. Um, And of course, you know how I'm listening to that. It's on Audible. We can get you guys on Audible if you need it. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash genre and you can get a free 30-day trial and a free book to go with it. Come on, people, join me. Listen to Sleeping Beauties and it's like we're doing like a buddy read. It'll be amazing. So tonight, being a fantasy episode, we are going to be talking about a book that I am so excited to talk about that I've been wanting to read since it came out. This book is a smash, smash hit. And it is Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. This is something that caught our attention when we were at Target together. And we just saw the cover and said, wow, that is really interesting. That was that, well, that was how I was introduced to it anyway. Uh, this book had a huge debut. It has a movie deal. Like even before it was published, it like had a movie deal. This is her, her first book. This is absolutely an incredible story. Well, let's not spoil our whole review right from the beginning. No, I mean, it's incredible. Um, this is one that really was one of the biggest debuts in history. Yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, it might be deserving of that. Let's talk about the plot a little bit, shall we? So this is a fantasy epic set in the land of Orisha. There used to be ten Magi clans. 
but the ruthless king has killed all practitioners and driven their people into oppression. Zeli Adebola remembers the death of her Magi mother and when magic and the gods were wiped from the land. The divine powers have chosen Zeli, her brother, and the vicious king's own daughter to go on a quest to bring magic back. So that's pretty typical fantasy fare. But there's something that's really important about this story. And what would that be, Sandra? So this is epic fantasy. I mean, the book's a little over 500 pages, like 540-something pages. It's real true epic fantasy. But, you know, typically, epic fantasy takes place in, like, a reimagined European world with mostly Caucasian people running through it. Uh, Luckily, we are seeing more and more fantasy set outside that standard. And Orisha is based on an analog West African society, and that's in Tomi's own words. Uh, Her family heritage in real life is that she's Nigerian-American. She's also been known to call this book Black Panther with Magic. Oh, I'm glad that she said that, because that is kind of what I really thought about it about halfway through the book. I was like, this is as enlightening and inspiring and exciting as Black Panther, of seeing this different setting for this wonderful classic kind of story it's a great soundbite too because who doesn't love black panther what's wrong with you it's one of the best marvel movies ever i'm sorry i'm very loyal to groot so i can't say it's the best marvel movie ever but it's fantastic um now i i thought there was great characters um in black panther men and women Definitely get some wonderful girl power vibes in Children of Blood and Bone. So for me, it's it's got Black Panther beat for sure. So let's kick it off with our experience score. Um, for me, it was definitely an obsession. I read this book, long book, uh, way quicker than I would have uh kind of thought I was going to. Obsessed. I I loved it. I found it lush and beautiful, exciting. Um It's, like I said, it's got this great girl power vibe. It's got death magic. It's got danger. It was a home run for me. I have to give this book a a page turner score. And that's not, that's not a bad thing at all. No. Um, I love the hell out of this book. And for an epic fantasy novel, which means really long, (laughs) I completely devoured it in what what two days three days something like that i was i was surprised even for as phenomenal a book as it is for how quick we both read it yeah and i've and you know full disclosure i've been having a lot of trouble finding time to read recently he started a new job and this was this was a stay up late at night be exhausted the next day at work kind of a read for me um the setting is so unique the characters are incredibly deep And it reveals itself at a wonderful pace. You know, it just goes at a great. It's a fast clip. Yeah. It's a very fast paced book. And actually, I'm going to talk about that a little bit in the spoiler section, too. All right. But it is a very fast paced book. Um, I found Tomi's writing to be so lush, lyrical, beautiful. She paints you this gorgeous picture of this world. What's really interesting is that the the descriptions of the world and the descriptions of the setting are are lyrical is actually a really good way to put it. It's Thank you. It's poetic. Yes. Almost. But what's really neat is that the dialogue is actually somewhat modern. Well, it's very like um 
it's very relatable dialogue. And yeah, yeah, I guess modern isn't fair. It's not like there's modern colloquialisms. No, but it um the dialogue is fast, it's clever. A lot of the characters are kind of fun, um, quick-witted people. So it feels a little contemporary in their speech that way. There were a couple of times when it came to the dialogue that I found myself being kicked out a little bit. Um, for example, and, and this sticks in my mind so heavily, there's a time when one of the characters refers to, you know, a group of people as you guys. And there's something about that in that particular book in an epic fantasy setting that just kind of pulled me out of it just a little bit. I think it's really neat that she did a lot of very, you know, just kind of a a modern take on on conversation. But there was a few times that I did think that it went a little bit too far. Huh, that's interesting. I, I didn't pick up on that at all, I have to say. Um, I was still firmly rooted in fantasy. I mean, you know, we're talking about bronze pieces and the selling of fish at the market. And, you know, a lot of things that I'm like, oh, that's not very contemporary at all. And then, of course, there's the magic itself. So I want to just let you guys know, if you haven't seen this book, I think you've been living under a rock. Absolutely one of the most beautiful covers ever seen it's freaking gorgeous this is one book that i mean get it on audiobook at audibletrial.com get it get it on kindle that's fine but you really owe yourself to get this book and and sandra's holding it open right now and i'll I'll let her tell you what she's looking at right now well the cover has um i i believe it is supposed to be zaylee on it and it's just this beautiful girl who's the absolute epitome of what the diviner characters look like and then the spine, everything about it, there's all this gray, white, gold, red. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And you open it up. And of course, it's an epic fantasy book. So you gotta have a kick-ass map. Yeah, but the map is on the binding itself. And yeah. it's in blues and whites. It's so beautiful. It's beautifully illustrated. So this is just a gorgeous book that you need to have in your collection because, I mean, you need to read it, but um, it's just, like, really beautiful to have and the feel of it is kind of that matte feel. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we all like that feel. And it's a book, so it smells great, too. So one thing that might help paint you guys a little bit of a picture of what's going on here in Orisha is one of the first things you open to when you pick up this book after the map is the list of the 10 Magi clans that once were. And everybody loves that. If you're a fantasy person, you freaking love that because you look at it and you're like, oh, what clan would I be in? Who do I belong with? And that's always really exciting. And especially you get 10. There's 10 in this one. I know there's so much variance. It's not like you have to pick between four houses. You could have 10 friends and all of them could could pick a different house (laughs) or, or clan in this case. I'll just real quick run down what the 10 are. There's the Magi of Life and Death, which is what I'm all about. Death magic. Hello. Coming for you. Uh, There's the Magi of Mind, Spirit, and Dreams. There's the Magi of Water. Magi of Fire. Magi of Air. Magi of Iron and Earth. Magi of Darkness and Light. Magi of Health and Disease. Magi of Time. And Magi of Animals, which I also love. I find interesting in that list that they don't call them by their in-world names. Well, they do, but um, 
I, you know, I gotta leave a little something for the people to discover and also who their deity is. I, the, the name for the, uh, for the Magi of health and disease is such a great name for the, the name. Their that main they, titles. Yeah, yeah. The name that they, that they call themselves as yeah. is so powerful. It's great. Oh, oh my gosh, you guys. I won't spoil it. No. So obviously I want to be a death magi. What are you, Scott? I, you know, I actually, I thought about this. I had a little bit of trouble. You might be surprised. I think that I would be a magi of darkness and light. Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, I thought about a water magi and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But I think that light is such an important part of, of me and the things that I like to do. I think ultimately that's really what I'd fit into. So let's talk a little bit about our characters in this book. So we know um, our lead character is named Zaylee. Uh, Zaylee is the voice of the oppressed. She's strong-willed and brave. She's that absolute fantasy heroine. She is a diviner. She should have magic had it not been rendered from the land. But instead, she's barely able to keep herself and her family from being slaves. Um, I admire the voice of Zaylee a lot. She is sometimes so rash and impulsive. She doesn't always make the best decisions, but she's such a real heroine that um, you're just always rooting for her. I mean, you said that she is your typical fantasy heroine, and in a lot of respects, she is. Sure, sure. But she's written to a much deeper degree where... Her flaws are are really important and they're very they're very well realized within the story and in her interactions with other characters. Specifically, she makes a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not your stereotypical, oh well, you know, the fantasy heroine, she's always getting into trouble and she's <laughs> always messing up. It it's really much deeper than that. Her mistakes have real meaning and real interactions with the characters. Uh, in particular with her brother, who I'd like to move on to next, yep. his, you know, his entire relationship with her is built around, one, the death of their mother, yeah, and two, the fact that she is always not getting into trouble, but she's always messing up. She's always doing impulsive things. And I think, like, I like that verbiage more than messing up. But I know what you mean. And a lot of it is because she doesn't have a rule book. She doesn't have a guidebook to follow. So she figures out a lot of stuff as she goes along. So Zane, that's her brother, Um, he is a great big brother archetype. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Um, He's close to his sister and his dad. He was close to his mom before she was murdered. Um. He is the type of person in this world who was not meant to have magic. So, yes, he's oppressed, but he's not as degraded. He's not as constantly in danger, but he has a real danger and love and commitment to his sister and to his people. He's a great athlete. He's a kind, like, gentle-hearted guy. He's another character that could very easily have gone into the trope of being just completely overly protective in an incredibly heroic way of her. And he doesn't come off of that at all. No. He's also not the other direction where he's doing it because he's being forced to or 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 he's completely um like honor bound. Exactly. He he does it because that's just kind of who he is and that's kind of who his sister is and who they are to each other. 
And there's a lot of very complicated things that come from that as well. He's a very, very deeply written character. I found, um, obviously, I have a big sister. I love good sibling relationships in books. And I was very happy with their relationship. I was happy with how they teased each other. I was happy how bonded they were, how they could make each other super angry, but they never stay angry at each other. It felt very beautiful and true. And you can tell that she has at least one sibling. Tommy, the writer. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so Amari, that's that mysterious princess, the uh, daughter of this pretty tyrannical ruler who just really likes oppressing people. <laughs> and she is so different from him. Um, Amari ended up being my favorite character. I'm not surprised by that at all. She is smart. She's kind. So kind. She's vulnerable. And she has an amazing sense of righteousness. And I found a lot of that to be very refreshing. Because, um, yes, she's raised in this seemingly very sheltered way. In a lot of ways, she was very sheltered. But at the same time, she's no shrinking violet. And she's not so kind that she, you know, has no sense of danger or when something bad is going to happen. Um, really beautiful, strongly, smartly written female character. So what makes her interesting for me is that she is the accidental hero of the story. She's yeah. the Frodo Baggins. Yes. She's she's the Bilbo Baggins. She's the one who All those Baggins. Who did not expect to be part of this story, but she's not the she's not the type who doesn't realize that she's a badass. Yes. She knows. She's a badass. She knows that she's capable and that she's strong. She has problems tapping into that mm -hmm. at times because she's a very deep emotional character. Yeah. But at no point does she question really if she's capable. And I, I really appreciate that about the writing of that character because it would be very easy to turn her into a shrinking violet into, yeah. into, into a, just a complete, just tag along. And she is in a lot of ways really kind of the other main character of the story oh yeah and we do get dual, dual perspectives in this book actually three different perspectives in this book which we'll talk about and one of them is her the other is zaylee and another is a character named anon um after saying all these amazing things about amari this feels like uh, a really like weird egotistical thing to say but i saw a lot of myself in amari um i related to her in a lot of ways um she just really really touched my heart and i just felt a huge kinship with this character she does something well she does something right she follows her conscience and she follows her her it's like an intuition her moral compass yeah yeah she does one thing right and it's huge and it's quite frankly catastrophic to her own life yeah but she follows it through right she did it she accepts it and she and she just goes down that path She's out to right some damn wrongs. She's a cool chick. She's great. Uh, so her brother, Inan, that's one of the perspectives we get in this book. He is the prince, obviously. Right. Um, this was so nice to see his side of the story. Um, I don't think his is a perspective we always get in books. He's going through a lot. He's a very complicated young man. Um... But he's he's not an idiot. He has a lot of feelings. 
and getting to see his side. He is on the other side as our heroes. But what's interesting is he's not the sympathetic villain either. Again, he doesn't fall into that trope. He doesn't fall into a lot of tropes. He's so complex and he's so confused. He is a very internally damaged and confused young man. Was he your favorite? He was not my favorite. No, um, oh. uh, Zelly was my favorite. Oh, but uh, yeah. he was I found him to be the most fascinating Oh, yes. And and a lot of it, again, is because that's just a voice we don't always hear in these books. I think that he makes some pretty quick changes. There are some things that happen to him and some choices that he makes that are, I felt I had to stretch a little bit to get behind and understand his uh, his justification on it. Mm-hmm. I think that there could have been a little bit more build up to some of his choices. But I'm giving a little bit of benefit of the doubt on it and just kind of writing with it because I've never read a character who makes so many unexpected choices in a book like 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 he has. I would have loved the book um, even without his perspective, because I think her world building and her writing um, are also beautiful. But he added a richness to the book that I think helped it become an obsession for me. At the end of the day, magic is scary. Yes. And Tomi Adeyemi does a really good job of making it seem scary. And there's a lot of points in the book where the hero is doing something and I'm like, oh man, that is really frightening. And he's the character who tells who who shows you just how frightening it really is and why it really is a truly scary thing that is happening. Um, I couldn't agree more. And Part of what is something that just seals the deal for this book with me, and I can't stress this enough, is this world building. Um, And part of it is the magic system and how magic works there. And then part of it is just this beautiful fantasy West African landscape, like um, people ride around on giant lions and leopards. Um, It's really, really cool, this world that she creates for us all to play in. I want to make a counter argument when it comes to the magic system, because I do want to warn really heavy fantasy readers who love really well-defined and structured magic systems. This book does try to do that. There are some inconsistencies. Um, I think that if you go into it, just understanding that magic is a wonderful, uh, fascinating, unpredictable thing. And again, I'm talking specifically to the Robert Jordan readers out there. Um, If you come into it not expecting that, then you are going to love the magic system. There are a few inconsistencies that did niggle me a little bit. I'm not positive I agree on that. So we're going to put a pin on that for the spoiler section, because um, I think some of it might just be a matter of taste. Uh, No, I I have to say 100%. I'm speaking really only to the Wheel of Time readers out there, the people who love a book that's almost written like D&D level laws. Sure. And um, I don't think I'm that reader myself. Oh, certainly not. And I'm not really that reader either. Not that there's anything wrong if you're that reader. But the book does somewhat present itself as having a strict, a strict law of magic, and it breaks those rules sometimes in the book. So uh, this will come as no shock, maybe, to so many of you out there. But um, 
I think it's hard to argue that this book is not mass appeal. Something that had this huge of a debut has a movie deal before it was even published and available to the general public. I don't see how this could be anything but mass. Um, I feel like it's a great intro to fantasy for some or a refreshing new way to view fantasy for others, for those who were loyal to the genre. Um, I love the magic. I love that the magic in this book is spiritual, and it's so heavily tied to their deities. Uh, the characters are, there's a little something for everybody. It's a beautiful, like I said earlier, it's a beautiful, lush, lyrical world that she's made for us to play in. And there's some deeper meanings. There's some deeper messages. There's a social conscience to these books that I found to be really, really powerful. Uh, upon finishing the book and reading her afterward, um, I cried. I feel like these books are really important for our times, and I cannot wait to get my hot little hands on anything else that Tomi Adeyemi writes. So, um, for as much as Children of Blood and Bone is touted as being totally unique and inventive, and as successful as it's been, it is still a classic, hard, epic fantasy tale um, with, you know, magical creatures and specifically, um, it sacrif- the, the stakes of the book, the motivations of the characters, it sacrifices relatability for grandness. And that can cause some issues for people who typically don't like fantasy. Um, I'm going to give it a broad appeal score. Uh, I think those who are typically opposed to fantasy aren't going to, this isn't going to be their introduction. This isn't going to be their into the book. But anyone who has any experience with genre fiction in general, I mean, just flock to this book. If you haven't read it, read it. It's, it's, it is for you. <laughs> it is for you. Um, that's so interesting. I say mass, he says broad. What do you guys think? Uh, read the book. Tell us what you think. And if you've already read the book, then stick around for the spoiler section so we can get into the nitty gritty of Children of Blood and Bone. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Five, four, three, Oh, that hurt. <laughs> I don't know why I had to use my fingers for the countdown, but that hurt. Okay, we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the spoiler section, everybody. Poor Scott was trying to give us the countdown and he forgot he had a broken thumb and he just made matters worse. Anyway, let's talk a little bit more in depth about this beautiful, wonderful, um, totally obsessive or page turn worthy book, Children of Blood and Bone. So one thing I wanted to say right away, probably my biggest, I guess, gripe with the book is the pacing for me. I love that it's fast paced. I love that. But there was like times when it would be like it would skip a few days ahead or weeks ahead where they would summarize conversations that we didn't get to be a part of. And I was like, no, 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 no. Give it back. Give it back. I want more. I want more. And I know this book is already over 500 pages and it is long, but um, I can't believe that I was like, how can it be over? How how can there not be more? I want more. And I guess that's a good thing. 
I feel that no part of the book better backs up what you just said as the relationship between Zelly and Anon. It happens so quickly, and I get it. I, I get what she was going for. His 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 mental magic just created that connection and that understanding of what she had gone through and created yeah. this instant connection between the two of them because he's really the only one who's ever really understood what she's gone through. But it just happens so quickly and so immediately that it's very jarring. Uh, there is a trope in books called insta-love. And I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to think of them as insta-love and same thing with Zane and Amari as an insta-love thing. And I do agree, like, Anon gets a little bit of a note, he gets a little bit of a pass because his type of magic, which is so freaking fascinating and scary, just like all the magics have the ability to be. His is the best. His, his is the best written. Oh, but it's so intense. And can you imagine he knows nothing about it and he's freaking thrust into it. It's it's amazing he didn't just go insane. But um, yeah, so he kind of has a pass. He kind of has a note. But at the same time, it's very quick. And of course, it's very neat when it's like you have two girl characters and two boy characters and they're all going to fall in love with each other. But Anon and Zaylee's relationship, the course of true love is not smooth. There's a lot going on in their relationship that kept me from feeling like it was tropey and annoying. I think that the relationship overall really served the story very strongly. I I don't want to I don't want to say I didn't like it. It's one of the things that I really liked about Anon specifically is that, you know, he he finally sees exactly what it was like for the other side and he realizes this is not a side I can fight for. And then he gets he back magic. And then he gets back in his world and he really sees the magic and he really sees just how horrifying it really is if magic comes to life and he re- and he kind of says you know what i i i really like this girl well i love this girl but i can't let this happen and he goes back to kind of a, where he was originally it, it's it's app- interesting term yeah i i appreciated his view but i was frustrated because i'm like anon we made plans we're gonna do a whole thing so i i mean i don't believe he's dead and I'm oh, like, no, no, not yeah. at all. No. And I'm like, don't let me down, Anon. I have so much faith in you. Again, like Amari, I'm like, gosh, you're flawed. And I don't know if you can do this, but I want to believe you can. And I'm so there. Like, I'm so stressed about Anon and his choices. Well, I'll tell you, if he came through in the end, if he, you know, made his turn after seeing into Zelly's mind and that's where he stayed, he was now a hero for the rest of the book. I would have been in. T- I would have been terribly disappointed, honestly, with the entire book. Because he had changed so fast, it would have been less believable if he stayed there. Uh, well, and I mean, now he knows, like, his father can only see this in, like, absolutes, in black and white. He killed him when he found out he has magic. So he can't really in any way side with father in all of this because... His dad has his reasons to fear magic, and and we know that magic, uh, the magi, they took it too far. It's like both sides keep taking it too far, and we need to bring balance to the force here. Um, but he stresses me out a lot, and in the best kind of way as a reader, that I'm like, I'm so stressed out because I'm so invested in these characters. 
it's just so unique to have a book where where they're trying to bring magic back to the world, which which has been done before. Of course. But to re- but I really did question whether it was the right thing to do. I really yeah. I didn't agree with the methods. I didn't agree oh, with no. the character of the king. I, I I didn't like the character of the king, but in a way I understood why he wanted magic to be gone. Why magic was so frightening. Tommy does such an incredible job of making magic beautiful and terrifying at the same time. I don't know if I if I really lived in a world like that if I would want magic to exist or not because the things that it can do, the the power shift that it creates is astronomical. Well, there needs to be checks and balances with either system, and I think that's really um kind of the message to it is a balance in all things. Um which is key to life and survival is to have that and she um she presents a great argument for magic being scary and what magic has done in a negative way to people and their lives but she in no way makes you sympathize with the oppressors because they do bad inhumane stuff true truly terrible things yeah but you know when when the cancer the the which is the magi of health and disease. Well, you're either a healer or a cancer in that. And, and the cancer is just killing people with disease. And just, they talk about walking through and just, they're all dead of disease. When the, when the burner just explodes in a pillar of fire and they're talking about the people's armor being melted to their skeletons, that's, yeah. that's too much power for some to have. Right. And then the argument comes back again because um, Zaylee's uh, Baba says, you know, we need to show them that if they burn us, we'll burn them. And it's like, is that right? I mean, they're so living in hell if you are someone from the magic world that it's like, when do they strike back? How do you strike back? How do you rise up? Um, it presents a lot of very fascinating ethical questions. Uh, so one thing I thought was, uh, again, so stressful in the best of ways is the end of this book. So like Amari has magic. Does everybody have magic? I think everyone has magic. Like everyone has I magic now. Everyone has <gasps> magic. Oh my gosh. It, which which then tilts the scales all the way on the other end. That if, if, everyone has, if everyone is special, then no one is. Yeah. So instead of having, I, I think, I, I think where this is going to go, instead of having a, a, you know, 10 tribes of magi who are kind of protecting themselves slash trying to gain power over the muggles, if you will, <laughs> what you're going to have ultimately is 10 warring tribes. Oh. If there's no bad guy, everyone's the bad guy except people like you. I don't know. That's very interesting. Um, I think I like that. There's really so many ways it could go because Amari can now see herself as the queen. She's kind of like, uh, I-, I got this. Oh, she's accepted the crown already by the end yeah. of that book. She's, by the end I of the am book. the next queen. I right. am your next queen. So it's like, how are people going to wield this newfound power? How will this even the playing field or will it? Um, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what she comes up with in answer to these questions. 
Um, now, one thing I want to talk about is uh, the inconsistencies you had with the magic system. Could you at least say that you appreciated as much as I did how cool and spiritual and the deities and how that's all tied together? I, I thought that was awesome stuff. Oh, the lore of the magic system is wonderful. Okay, good. Oh, no, the the, the actual lore and the origins of the magic is so incredibly powerful. It's a beautiful story, a creation story. It really is. Sky Mother. Ugh, I love it. I mean, very specifically in the way that magic works and interacts. Um, you know, they create rules for Zelly's magic and creating these, these, you know, animations out of spirits and that she continues to use throughout the whole book is pretty much her only source of magic. That's a separate little complaint that I have. There wasn't a whole lot of inventiveness with her incredibly unique magic. In your opinion, I thought In it was pretty opinion. inventive. Uh, there's just little things that that break the rule. So they, they set this whole thing about that, you know, there's these incantations. And then sometimes they just don't matter. They set this whole rule about, you know, blood magic being incredibly dangerous. And then sometimes it just doesn't kind of matter. Um <laughs> There's there's just a few things they they set up these rules for this is how it works and then they it, it, the the story breaks those rules when it's convenient which is which is fine that's a plot first fantasy as opposed to a system first fantasy like Robert Jordan and that's fine I have yeah. no problem or complaint with that at all I, I I really enjoyed it it was not really a detriment for me good I just. She presented it as a system-based magic, and I think that is it. I think that she either should have leaned more on the spiritual connection side or gone full system-based magic, one or the other. I, I think I think she tried to straddle the line too much, and it just broke under that weight. I, I think that's like a super interesting argument, and I can't argue um, that it's wrong or right. I I was just so taken with it. That I didn't see any of that at all. And I think that that's just strictly uh, based on kind of my, it's kind of almost a science fiction uh, standpoint when it comes to magic. There are some fantasy books that are more science-y based. That, well, I, I mean, they're more, they're more rules based. Yeah. And there's points in this book where it's presented as a rules based magic system and then it ends up not being that, that that's all. I just think. I think she should have leaned a little bit more on the spiritual aspect and the connection to the gods and the, and the praying aspect and backed off a little bit from the the um, the structured guidance. Now, I had mentioned those giant uh, cats like uh, like the one Zaylee has. And I would like one, please. I love cats. I'm obsessed with cats. I just want to ride around on a giant cat. You know, I was a little bit worried because it was just like, oh, it's a, I can't even remember what they're called, but it's like, it's a leopardina. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a lionaire. It's a lionaire. Uh, it's like, oh, it's okay. It's, it's a lion, but you're just adding letters on the end of it to make it sound no. fantastical. Oh, but, but then there is that certain point when, and it's very subtle, but there's a certain point when she describes a horn. Yeah. And it's like, okay, no. Okay. They're fantastical. They okay, have like, I got it. they have like horns. And they're huge, and they have a lot of personality. So, no, they are their own beautiful, wonderful, magical creatures. And I'd love an illustrated guide at the end of these books with all of them in it. Before we start to close out, 
I actually thought your favorite character in the book was going to be someone different. Who? Someone who doesn't come into the book until about the last tenth of it. I thought that Rowan was going to be your favorite character because he almost became mine. He's like a pirate. He's witty and charming, and we know you know we love pirates. We love yeah, pirates. We sure do. And he is just the he is the typical Han Solo. Just yeah. I am the coolest, but has that that spiritual and and very honorable side to him yeah there's definitely something going on below the surface with him and i want to explore more about that and more about these um these nations that have fallen under um too much magic in the past and where these foreigners are from and how much of their lands are really left um super into her opening up the world even more and i did love him i love a rogue i love a rake um, yeah, he, he's an awesome piratey, uh, a foxer. He looks like a foxer. He's got like that, that smile and sort of a devil may care attitude. And I'm into him. I'm picking up what she's laying down, but nobody can hold a candle to Amari. She's my girl. So let's talk about our execution score. How many bone daggers out of five? And there's the scroll. There's the sunstone. They're awesome. But they're not a bone dagger. So I got to go with bone dagger. How many bone daggers out of five would you give this book, Scott? Well, um, when it comes to characters and setting, there really isn't much to complain about this book. Uh, in fact, it's it's magnificent in those areas. Uh, my only issue with the book, as I talked about, comes from the magic system, which it's not that it was done poorly. It's that it's inconsistent and was straddling a line that I didn't feel that it that it succeeded in. Uh, as a fantasy novel that is specifically about magic, I have to dock at a point for that. So I'm going to give it four bone daggers out of five. But other than that, this book is excellent. This book is near perfect, near perfection. And 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 just you got I I'm I'm so glad that I read it. Oh, I'm so glad that I read it. I'm so glad that you had a great time reading this book too. Uh, I would agree. I I think you'd have to get pretty nitpicky to really take away too many bone daggers from this book. I should come as no surprise. It's, I'm going to give it five out of five. All right. I am because, um, you know, sometimes I try to hold back from being unabashedly obsessed with things. I try to, for some reason, do that. I really must stop because I, I have to live my truth and I have to be honest. And I'm going to think about this series. It's going to stick with me for many, many years to come. I will happily shove this book into the hands of anybody I come across. Read it. Love it. Cherish it. I'm going to sleep with it under my pillow tonight. So thank you for joining us, friends at home. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Sandra. Everybody wish Scott's thumb a speedy recovery. And as always, please keep reading past your bedtime. (laughs) 